0: We're continuing our series, Family Feud, today. And when we talk about the family, it's not just husband and wife. That is the genesis of the family. But we're talking about the family, including kids. And so today we're going to have a panel discussion, uh, and we're going to be talking about family dynamics. So at this time, we want to welcome to the stage our panelists. So the sermon continues, and be blessed.
1: Hallelujah. Oh, come on, church. I say hallelujah. Let's give God some glory this morning. Let's give God some glory. I want to welcome you to a conversation that is much needed in today's world. And even much more important, today's church world. And that's the conversation of the war in the home when it comes to parents and children. (laughs) How many parents do we have here? Okay. How many children do we have here that have a parent? I'm hoping you got a parent. (laughs) Excellent. Okay. Well, you're in the right room. For those of you that don't know who I am, I am Pastor Varney. I am the youth and young adult pastor here at Harvest Church Only. And we have an amazing panel here. So starting from my very immediate right here, we'll have our first panelist introduce herself and then we'll just go down the line.
2: Hi, I'm Kumi Morgan. Um, I just graduated high school. And um, I've been involved. I've been part of the church my whole life, basically.
3: Hi, my name is Vanessa Aka. I have one more year until I graduate. And I've been part of the church since about 2013.
4: hi guys my name is Dylan I am about to be a junior in college and I've been in this church before I was born <laughs> <laughs> before you are born I
1: like it
0: good morning my name is Krishna, and I'm one of the parents I have um, four children
5: Good morning, everyone. My name is James Kiehawu, and I have one wife and two kids. <laughs>
6: Good morning. My name is Saint Jerome Davis, parent. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: I like what he said. He's the husband of one wife. Somebody say One. one. You can't handle more than one, my brother. Don't try it. <laughs> Well, this morning, people of God, we want to talk about, you know, Bishop has been preaching a powerful series about family feud, the war in our homes, and it's one thing for the war to be external, where you're dealing with issues in the society and issues in the community and, you know, you're seeing all of the things that are coming against the home, but then it's a whole different matter when the problem enters into your house, and as a child, you see your parent as the problem. Or as a parent, you see your child as the problem. Our hope that in this discussion for this brief moment, you will discover that neither one of those individuals are the problem. But that there's a greater war being fought against the home. Now, our base scripture is found in Ephesians chapter six, verse four. And since this, this month is we're celebrating fathers, I think every father in the house needs to hear this, including myself. Because by the way, I have six children, men, and my beautiful wife Nicole puts in some work. We put in work to God be the glory. Ephesians six four says in the Amplified version: "Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial or unreasonable." or humiliating or abusive, nor by showing favoritism or indifference to any of them. But bring them up. Somebody say bring them up. Tenderly with loving kindness in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That is what we're coming out of today. And quite frankly, when you look at parenting right now from a, from a biblical worldview... You know, there are two two stories that came to my mind where it, it just, it encourages me when I look at how parenting was done in the Old Testament. The first one that comes to mind is the story of Elkanah and Hannah. You all know that story, right? Uh-huh. Hannah wanted a son a child so bad that she made a commitment that if this child is given to me, Lord. I would dedicate him or her to you. And the Lord blessed her. The Lord answered her prayer. The Lord gave her this son. And what did Hannah do? Hannah dedicated her son to the Lord. Now, she, he, he was given to the house of the Lord, but we all know that in that house, the house of Eli, things wasn't always, you know, it wasn't an ideal situation. But yet Samuel is known in history to be one of the great prophets. He was the one who the Lord used to, to anoint David, et cetera, et cetera, the ideal, even though he came up in a, in a not-so-amazing house. And then we also know the story of Yoshebed. How many of y'all you know who Yoshebed is? Hmm, yeah, we're here today. Yoshebed was Moses' mother. God gave Yoshebed the opportunity to raise her son in Egypt with access and influence. And the scripture says in Hebrews eleven twenty four, 24 by faith Moses when he was come to years refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter why because she sowed the seed of faith in her son's heart and even though he could have been even to the point of a Pharaoh worshipping idols this young man came out of Egypt and led his nation to God's promised land okay now yeah, that, that deserves glory unto the Lord, honestly. Because it's difficult to raise children in a society that's paganistic. It is difficult to be a parent who's focused on that, on that reality. Now, that's one aspect. But, somebody say but. After as a mother or a father, you have given that child the ideal upbringing. And I had harvest. I know you parents are doing that. Those of you watching online as well, I know you're doing that. After you have given them all that you know how to give them in your little way, what do you do? And this is where we're coming from. When your child blatantly abandons their upbringing to pursue the world's ideology and, and, and all of the things that the world has to offer, what do we do? Okay? And it's from this vantage point that we're going we're gonna to engage our panelists because I think it's very important that we answer that question. And so I'm going to ask Minister St. Jerome, the first question is his to deal with. Minister, what do you do when you have done what you know to be God's will and way to train up your child, yet he or she goes against all of the things that you have given
6: them? What do you do? Help us. Now, the very first thing is patience. And that's why I was trying to find out whether or not he would have responded or asked me or reminded me. <laughs> and I timed it for about six seconds. And he was not patient enough to give. That's it. I <laughs> uh, waiting so for the my The very first thing is patience. <laughs> that's the very first thing. Now, um, look at a child as a bottle, a glass bottle with oil in it, stopped, closed up, in fact, and sealed. The child is a glass bottle. The oil in it is what you've put into the child, And the sealing is the Holy Spirit sealing that bottle and whatever comes against it will not impact it or go into that bottle. Mm. So you exercise patience now. we, we, We know that Christians, we talk about pray, 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 yes, you cannot do anything. You've done your share. So everything that comes at that bottle It's what the child is experiencing in the world. You pray for yourself that you have wisdom. You will not be quick to speak, quick to anger, and you'll be quick to listen. You pray that the Holy Spirit will be able to minister to the child, even though the child has, quote-unquote, drifted. You pray that the child will become very discerning in hearing the voice of God. Mm. Because you cannot say anything because it's just bouncing on that child at that point. But you have... Put into that child the word of God and what the child is supposed to be based on God. Now, patience is very necessary. Anger, no. But firm love, yes. So when you are exercising firm love, the child might think that you're angry. You're not angry. You're just firm with the way of showing love to the child. Mm -hmm. God does it to us. He allows it to happen to us. And I think you should let that happen to the child also. And when you pray... Pray that one day, eventually, that child will return to the Lord. Mm. Because that's all you can do. That's a different person. You cannot force that person to change after a certain time. Uh, Yeah. Well
1: said. Well said. Yes. Well said. Well said. Thank you. Yeah, you taught me patience just now. I learned something new. Our next question is for our young man, Dylan. Is there ever a time when any young person under authority, is there ever a time for any young person under authority who feel that he or she has the right, according to their own understanding, is there ever a time where they are, they are justified for going against what God has told them not to do? Hmm. Especially when the parent is acting out of character.
4: No. I mean, I mean that's a simple answer, right? <laughs> Elaborate. Why do you say I no? mean, um, once you start growing up, you start having your own you start thinking for yourself, you start making decisions for yourself. But um I think that's part of honoring your parents is that right, wrong, indifferent, you give them that reverence. You give God reverence. I mean God God makes me do a lot of things that I don't want to do. Mm. You know? <laughs> <laughs> mm. But rather where I want to do it, whether I agree, disagree, whatever like that. I also understand that is the heart posture that matters the most is understanding that my parents want the best for me. Whether I do not like it at all, whether I may argue, whether I may formulate the best argument with a thesis statement and supporting arguments, all that, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> because whatever they're saying, whatever they're doing is from a place of concern for myself. And at least with that understanding, I'm able to discern and, you know, sometimes I just have to be patient. Sometimes I just have to let that season pass and I'll have an opportunity to do whatever I want, maybe later at a later time. So, yeah. Hmm. Well said. Well said. Well said.
1: Somebody just said, where I find this young man from? He's here at Harvest, by the way. He was raised here. He was born. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> All right, for our next um, panelist, Mrs. Ricks, what would you say then are the proper principles of disciplining children in our homes? What would you say? I mean, come on, you know, sometimes children will take you there. Y'all know, parents, y'all know what I'm talking about. They'll take you right to the edge of insanity and say, now what's your next move? What do you say? What are some of the proper things that you have applied or you would advise us to consider?
0: Wow, like he said, patience. Patience is a. Uh a huge principle that you have to apply when you have children. Understanding communication. Um, communication is huge in um, parenting. If you're not willing to listen to your child, then you, can't, you can never understand your child. Um, I've learned, again I have four, and I've also learned that you have to sometimes meet your child where they are in order to really understand. them. Because they're going through so many things, um, things that we may, have, may not have gone through because times change. Parenting structure hasn't changed, but times have changed. And because the times have changed, we have to be willing to say, okay, um, me yelling at them or speaking at them is not working. I have to listen, I have to stop, and I have to speak to them, like we're having an open conversation, and be willing to listen and hear what they're saying understand what they're saying and not just brush it off because they're a child. So communication, again, patience, love, um, doing everything in love. Um, also, when Bar- Pastor Varney first um, asked about this, he said, you know, what is intentional parenting? And thinking about that, I also was like, I wish I would have understood that before because I would have done so many more things with intentional parenting and more purpose, so.
1: Hmm. Okay, that's good, that's good, that's good. You know, when you you said that, um, what came to my mind was, you know, some of us have children who who are athletes and when we have them doing these extraneous workouts, you know, you're a track runner, right? When you have them lifting weights and doing things, it's not, they don't see it as negative. Because they see the benefit, you know what I'm saying. Like they don't see it as a bad thing, even though there's pain in the process. There's growth happening. So when I hear us say that, you know, parents, we got to be intentional when it comes to disciplining them. Right now, of course, for every good thing, there's another side to consider. And so I want to ask our Deacon James Kiabu: Is there a difference between punishment and discipline? Is there a difference? between punishment and discipline, and how do you determine something a child does to be a punishable offense? For some of us, your child broke your china. Hmm. They broke your mug you've had for
5: 20 years. Hmm. Please. Thank you, Pastor Vani. You're good. So, I mean... You know, there are things that work for one family that may not work for another family, but as far as my family is concerned, there is no punishable offense, Mm. and that might shock many of you, because the goal of punishment is really uh, to be able, it's a payback, to be be able to to account for what you have done, Mm. while the goal of discipline is to not only correct you, but to change the behavior for a better outcome in the future. And so punishment has, I say this punishment has a short memory It is only for for the now, and it's only designed for you to forget even, pay back for your, your wrongdoings. Discipline goes beyond that. Discipline says, you know what, this is what you have done that is wrong, but this is how you can become better. And so many times we use those words as if they are the same or maybe they are different degrees. But discipline, in fact, in the Bible, discipline is what we see there being used and that there may be many levels of discipline. Sometimes you chastise, you, you scold, sometimes you withhold benefits from the children. I do that all the time. But when you say discipline, in fact, one of the reasons why, for example, in the U.S., if you look at the prison system in the U.S., you know, years ago, I looked at the numbers. U.S. has more prisoners than the entire population of nations. Wow. There are more prisoners in the U.S. than, than people in Djibouti. There are more prisoners in the U.S. than people uh, in Cape Verde, uh, in Mauritius. The reason is that because the legal system, it's, it's punitive. It's not designed to rehabilitate. It's not designed to, to reform, to bad, to, to, to good behavior. It's designed to, for, for you to pay back. And so that's why when we punish the, ch- the kids, when I punish the kids, you're only creating repeat offenders. So there's no punishable offense, but but every wrongdoing, every wrongdoing can be disciplined, and there are many hierarchies of discipline that we can give. Thank you.
1: Whoa whoa whoa, 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 whoa,
5: whoa!
1: I'll be the first one to tell you I'm guilty of creating repeat offenders. Good lord! I've never heard it like that before. No, that that's serious. I mean, we take it for granted. Wow. I think I James you deepo. No, that, that's I think that's a very important point. You know, if you if you look at it that way where the minute a child does something that's wrong, we shut them down. You don't give them an opportunity to grow. Because really they're human beings. Which means they're in a state of development. I was saying to someone the other day, I said, you know, I have a lot of my children for the most part are becoming young adults, and I don't know these kids. How I many of our parents can be real? Like, we don't know them. When they were first born, they were cute and cuddly. You know, we, had, we discovered them. Oh, this one doesn't like vegetables. This one likes. And then, when they became toddlers, and, and, and so, now that they're in their 20s and you're getting ready to, you were willing to clean up their mess when they were children. But now that they're, in a, they're an adult, you can't tolerate it. Somebody say, I'm not creating any repeat offenders again, Thank you, Deacon Jane, that's powerful. Oh, yeah, clap for, yeah, clap for that, that was a powerful point. All right, so then I'm going to pivot this, this question then. The next one is for our dear young lady, Vanessa. Vanessa, I know this one is rough, but I know you can land it. Do you believe that parents can at times be very overbearing, with their requirements and their expectations, and somebody already ready to join the panel. (laughs) And if so, why do you think that's the case? (laughs) Are you good?
3: As the person said in the audience, yes. Oh, come on, talk about it. Absolutely. Um, But I feel like the reason why their expectations are so high was because their expectations when it came to their parents were so high. And so with the way they were raised, it's, oh, I had to take care of all these, all my siblings. I was the parent to my siblings. And so they'll put those expectations on you. Go do this, and go do this, and go do this. And it's not intentional. It's just the way that they were raised. And so it affects the child. It's like, okay, I know things were hard for you when you were growing up, but for me, I live in America. (laughs) Things are easy. You walk 10,000 miles to school, I take a school bus. It's different. So these expectations, it's like, I understand. like I know it's hard, but for me, things are easy. And so the same way you were raised is completely different from the way I'm raised, especially in a different country. And so it's a lot, it's overbearing on a child. And so you have to understand that, okay, I was raised in 1700s, the decades, my child is raised in the 2000s. And so it's completely different, completely society. And you have to understand that, okay, with the way we were raised, I know this is how I was raised, but okay, things are different, and so because things are different, expectations have to be lower, because things are easier now.
1: Yeah, yeah you know what? <laughs> yeah, we came, we came to go there this morning. We came to go there. We got one, you know, one amen in the crowd. Very deep statement. Man, I'm just feeling so kind of convicted this morning. I mean, I'm my parents feeling the heat. Thank you. What, what Vanessa said I think is very crucial. Where they are now in terms of their upbringing is completely different from those of us that are diasporans, if I could say that. Who grew up, some of us grew up in other countries, whether you grew up somewhere in Africa, somewhere in the Caribbean, somewhere else. Or even here in the U.S., but in a different generation. huh? What they did in the 70s don't apply now. You know, I was watching a special last night on CNN and, you know, they do these different decades where they celebrate different decades. And it was, they were talking about the 70s. And I said, Jesus, we grew up watching that. Archie Bunker? Like, this is not, that doesn't apply in 2022. And somebody said, well, <laughs> it doesn't apply. Now, I've said this before. You can be sold to the message, but the mold should be breakable. You should be able to adjust and pivot Because total different generation before you. Parent, I'm talking to myself. I'm not talking to you. In Jesus' name, great response. Give give a hand for Vanessa. Great response. Okay, uh, Minister St. Jerome, we're going to swing back to you. And this question right here, I believe it enters into our, our scripture verse. The question is, what does it mean not to provoke your children to anger? Okay, so maybe you can answer that part first and then i ask you a follow-up question. What does it mean not to provoke your children to anger? And then I have a follow-up to that.
6: With the patience you have now, oh, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah,
6: Just thank uh-huh. With the patience you have now, I will say that you should not, I'm being very simple, you should not do things in the training of the child, discipline of this child, that will cause that child to begin to say, what? i give an example. We bring our children up being hypocritical rather than being authentic. Mm. We set two standards for them. But children learn more from what they observe rather than what you say. I cannot be telling my son wear a belt every day and then I'm sagging hmm, I cannot do that. The next thing is pride and humility. Why should I expect my child to say I'm sorry when I cannot say I'm sorry? Okay? One of the things I will say again is that uh, we bring our children up wanting them to be good children rather than being holy children. So we should teach them holiness rather than goodness. It's very easy for you to be good. How was school today? Good. How was the food? Good. How was this thing? Good. Everything is good. Okay? And be able to let that child, whatever that child is explaining to you, we have talked about discipline, which is from the same word of disciple, which means learner. We've talked about um being patient and the rest of it. But the child should see whatever he or she is doing through the eyes of the parents also that is applicable to the word of God, okay? You cannot call yourself a Christian and the child comes home and they talk and everything. With me I just ask, so yes, I agree with everything. How does it show that you are a Christian when you're amongst your friends? Not in front of me, because in front of me, you know, holy hands will start rolling. (laughs) But in front of your friends, how do you show that you are a Christian? Okay, so I think with that, I will just stop there. If any other time you can, call me. Absolutely, there is a
1: follow-up, because I mean, when we talk about provoking our children to anger, there are some ramifications, okay? And sometimes you say, but... Who is this child? Fully child. Go and sit down. Provoked. You can be provoked? You know, the children have this thing where they, they coin a term called African parents. Hmm, I see some of them saying, mm-hmm. Yeah, I got an African. I mean, I got an African parent. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and sometimes we believe, I'm not there, this is not, you know, any down in our African culture and how we raise our children. But sometimes we believe that our children cannot be somehow provoked to anger and we shut them down and we say, you can be seen, but you can't be heard. Like some of us are even not, you know, anyway. So my question to you then, the follow-up is this then. Why is it important to, to take heed to this advice? Because the Lord said it, this is not our personal opinion. The Lord said, do not, fathers do not provoke your children to anger. Why is it important to take heed to that advice or that, that, you know, that instruction?
6: I think over the years, we have developed this parental culture of impunity where, as I mentioned earlier, pride, rather than being humble, uh, impatient, rather than being patient. But the bottom line is, and then we want our children to be many us, little St. Jerome, little Vanny, and the rest of it. It will not happen. Yes, you can correct the child, you can discipline the child, but that child has within him or herself some characteristics that God has put in them, strengths, weaknesses, etc., Yes, you can tell them by yourself, but then you don't tell them and then something else. So the bottom line is that we must expect our children to be themselves in the fear of the Lord. We should pray about them, pray for them, but not because of what we want. We can judge them, here based on the word of God and not what we want them to be when we say, oh, you should be like daddy, like mommy. If I want to be a preacher, if you want to be a rapper, I can teach you to be hallelujah. <laughs> I can teach you to be a quote-unquote Christian a rapper who is a Christian but not a Christian rapper. Thank you. Oh, you're a cool dad. <laughs> you know, you say that, and I thought
1: about the parents say, You are going to be a doctor. You are going to be a lawyer. What rapping are you doing here? you wrap my gifts when you send me uh, for Christmas, doctor. Jesus, help us. So that's important. Um, I think that's very important. You see, unfortunately, we just saw uh, shootings that took place by two young adults. And I dare to believe that this didn't happen overnight. I dare to believe that there were times where these children were provoked and unheard. And I think like Deacon Jane said, and I add my voice to it, we don't want to raise little terrorists. Because when that, when that anger begins to compound and compound and compound, they're looking for an outlet. Unfortunately, so many young people are killing themselves because they feel like their voice cannot be heard. And they're angry. I know because I deal with them a lot. So parents, take heed to that advice in Jesus' name. Dylan, I'm coming back to you, my friend. Huh, You're the, you, you the one for this question. You know that, right? What is the one thing you wish parents knew in regards to parenting their children if you were to sit down and program the mind of your mama before she raised you? What is the one thing you wish she knew while you were being parented by her or, or your father?
4: Oh, um, wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, first first is... Um, there's different stages of life children go through. You know, you're once an infant, you're a toddler, you're a child, you're a teenager, and you become an adult. For the most part, all that part is pretty fine until you start reaching the adulthood part, you know. When you start doing your own things, you start making your own money, you start living, doing adult things. And y'all right, it's not easy. But, <laughs> But... That transition period where you got to understand that your child is no longer a child and there's a different way to communicate to your child because he does not think like a child anymore. Yes, he, may have, he or she may have considered all the options. Or another thing is, was the things that are applicable 10, 20 years ago may not be applicable today. Um, Bishop said something two sermons ago. He was saying um, wisdom is the key. To, to fight the war against the family. And the thing is, is that, you know, sometimes parents could get complacent on what they know, but part of wisdom is keep is keep renewing the mind. You gotta keep learning, you gotta keep growing. So the thing that you learned 10, 20 years ago, it may not apply to me because it's 2022. not 1992 so I understand the perspective and there could be some wisdom because you have to know and learn from the past but the times are changing and they're changing very very fast and a lot of young people are even struggling to keep up themselves so again it's complacency you know the same things that we learned when we was a child is not the same lesson that we need to learn when we're 20 uh 21 it doesn't apply
1: for that young boy he got some wisdom so then you're saying that the reality is I wish mom that you would learn that life has transitions that as I grow grow with me I'm just saying as they grow grow with them now when I say anyway let me leave that right there because he's like well I will stay young forever no you are growing too there are certain things that you probably have low tolerance for because of your age as well. Okay. You're too quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> Bishop will say. All right, we're almost at the end of this, so I'm gonna ask Mrs. Rick's, uh, Ricks this question. Because there are a lot of parents in here who might be able to relate. Those of you watching, you might be able to relate to this. What would you say to a parent who has lost complete hope? and believes there is no way their child will come out of their present issue. You have prayed, you have fasted, you've taken them to the to the clinic to take their pills because they crazy. You've done everything in your strength and it looks like there's no hope. What would you say to that parent right now?
0: Um, being the parent who has been there, um, you said it, uh, everything in my strength and for me I had to uh literally give up my strength um after you've prayed and everything I guess you have to uh you have to come to the understanding that it's it's you can't look at your child or children to change you have to look at God to just change the child mm. you I, I i had to stop thinking okay my prayer is gonna i'm gonna pray and boom they're gonna come out of this I had to stop thinking that my children would just Because of my prayer, my children just come out. I had to start more of, okay, God, this is literally something that you have to do within that child. Like, literally you. There's nothing, my prayer is not working, so you have to, you heard me, but now you have to move. And I, parents, we have to get to a point where we know that even if it takes 10 years, God's going to move. Because it's something he's doing in that child, even though you have to watch them go through pain and hurt and suffering and, You really wish you could just step in and and take it away for them, but it's something that that child has to go through. And you have to come to a place where you understand that God is allowing this child to go through these things for his glory and for his purpose. And so, you know, we have to get to that point. It's hard to get to that point. It's, it's, It's really hard to get to that point. But we have to get to that point eventually if we want God to move in that child's life.
1: Excellent, excellent. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of parents who, if you're listening and you're in this room or you're watching, there is still hope. And I know it's possible because I was that child. Hmm. Don't be saying amen with me like that. Some of y'all know my story well. Some of y'all don't. But There's a book that's going to come out of this. So I laugh when Bishop said, please do this. I said, hmm, Bishop, you want me to go talk the Just know that God is faithful. Don't lose hope. Now, it's interesting. We're sitting up here because of one young young lady's observant skills. The previous panel was amazing. We're all moved by it. And then she said to herself, "Hmm, I think we need to have a conversation about honoring our parents, though. We need to talk about this. So this next question is for Kumi Morgan. Give it up for her. Amazing recent high school graduate. And the question is, Kumi, what does it mean then for young people to honor their parents and why is this a very important advice? And why is it so difficult to follow? So there's a two in one for you.
2: Um, I think really the advice that I'd give, um, the relationship in my mind changed between me and parents. When I stopped viewing them as parents, and it sounds bad, but you have to start viewing them as humans. Um, they're just like us, just older. And no one was, <laughs> no one was coached to like be a parent. There's books, but like it's different in real life. And so, if I think about if I was a parent, I don't think I would know what to do. So you have to realize that sometimes they don't know what they're doing either. Mm. They're just trying their best. So. But I think I think with um, the understanding and empathy for them, honor will come along with it. And um, of course, it's harder. Sometimes people are like, "What if your parents abandoned you or you're abused?" I think um, it's harder to sympathize in that way, but you can still give honor for parental figures or people who have influenced your life and realize even un- just understanding for other people's perspective. You don't have to like love them or whatever if they've abused you, but just try to... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good example, but understanding and sympathy and along that will come honor for them because you'll understand that, you know, they're just like us. So, yeah.
1: There's a lot of wisdom in that statement. They don't know what they doing. <laughs> I heard a man of God say with a, with a doctorate degree, he realized he ain't know a thing. It's a true story Because we've never been here before I mean you get a child Oh so cute you cool You've never been there before They're 25 you've never been there before But you said something that's key And I relate this to the story of Noah Shem, Ham and Jepheth When Noah decided that he was taking a break And he wanted to get drunk The Bible's sweet You better read your Bible You want drama get off Lifetime movie network Talking to some mamas in here right now. Daddies, I don't know. Broken homes are all over the Bible, but God shows us the remedy to honoring our parents all the time. It's in there. Okay, so great response. Clap for this young lady. Great response. Great response. Okay, we're almost at the end of this. So Deacon James, I'm coming back to you. What would you say are key ways that we as parents... Can raise our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What are, some, what are some What are some things that you're doing
5: that you've seen work? What are some key things that you would advise we we consider? Great question, Pastor Vani. So I have an idea, I D E A, and this is an acronym. Uh, one of those ways. One of the key ways is the, the I is for identity. So when we our kids are growing up, those early stages of growth of development. That is where we set the, we, the the boundaries. We build a value system. What are the principles? What do we stand for? That is the identity. You know many times we are worried about you know what kind of tablets they have in their hands, whether it's Samsung or Apple tablets. But we should be concerned about another tablet and that is the tablets of their hearts. What is what are we writing on those tablets? The, that is the identity that we have to form. And so sometimes my kids will ask me, why can't we go there? Why can't we do this? And I tell them, well, we are different. We are a strange people. We are peculiar. And it's, what is that? I say, we are weird. We are a weird people. So really, are we? we you yeah, saying we are weird? That's what it means. We are different. We, are not, we can't do it because we are God's people. We are a people of God. So I is for identity. And then the D is for devotion. We have to be able to... Teach the kids, our kids, to not only uh, know our faith, but also to live out the faith, to, to profess the faith. That is for devotion, and then E for education. Teach them in the Word of God. It is not about academics, but also teach them how to grow up to become resourceful members of the society. How can you be productive? How can you use your your gifts, your talents, your skills to be able to be a blessing to the kingdom and to your to your community? That is education. Teach them God's Word. And then the A, A is very crucial, A is attention. You know, sometimes I'm sitting there, I'm working at home, and my kids will ask me questions, which I know they know the answer. And then, and then I'm caught up in my work, and then I look up, and, then, and they will tell me, never mind. I say, what do you mean? But the question was not really re- and needing an answer. It was only a call for attention. It was for me to, to take, get up, the computer and to be able to have an eye contact. So attention is very, very essential. If we don't don't pay attention to our children, there's someone out there waiting to give them attention. If we don't, we have to be able to to love on them. We have to be able to give them the attention. I mean, social media is there. We have influencers. If we don't give them the attention, someone will be there to substitute there's the school district that can, that can give them attention. There is TikToks, there is all kinds of, of platforms where they can be influenced, but they are crying for attention. You know, interesting, we hear about the story of the prodigal son. But the prodigal son, in so many ways, I think there was something that was lacking. Uh, but one thing that, when you read the story there, is that it took a prodigal father to be able to to trump the prodigal son. And you see, what does that mean? Well, the prodigal son was extravagant in his lifestyle. He was wasteful in his lifestyle. But the father was also wasteful in his love. He was reckless in his love. And, he, and when, when his son came back, it was only only because he was prodigal in his love that he was able to trump the wastefulness of the prodigal son. And he embr- I don't know, i, have, I can't, I'm not being, Am here yet? I don't know how I would have reacted to the So the prodigal son, maybe I would have told him to go take your shower first. But but the prodigal father, he runs to the son and embraces him. That is something that I'm aspiring to. But we have to be able to pay attention, give attention, love on them. Thank you.
1: Ah, wow, wow. Man, that's such a powerful insight. You know the song that came to my mind was, oh, the overwhelming never-ending Reckless love of God. What? Prodigal love? That's a powerful, powerful thought. So when a child is going astray, the way to bring them back in is by going after them with your love. Man, that's a great idea, by the way. I-D-E-A, idea. Okay, we're coming very, very quickly to the end here. And so one last question, and I'm going to come back to our dear... Sister Kumi, who just eloquently spoke. And the last question really is for the young people that are watching, those that are in the house, and those that are watching or listening to this, you know, days from now. How would you encourage young people listening to pursue their purpose in Christ as they submit to their God given leadership, namely their parents?
2: I know. Okay. (laughs) I wasn't sure if it was working. I think when it comes to pursuing your purpose and in God, really just have an open conversation with God when you're praying. Like, don't be afraid to talk to Him about everything. Like, some people feel guilty or they feel like they can't talk to God unless they have it all together. But you have to talk to God about everything, and He can help you get your life together. You know, you're not going to ever be perfect enough to talk to God, so you have to be honest and talk to him about everything. And I don't completely know my purpose at all in life, but he'll tell you and you'll figure it out as you continue talking to him. And um, I think you have to also just let him... um, lead you when you're talking to leaders and parents who it might be hard to listen to them and obey what they're saying. Honestly, I'm very stubborn, so I get that, but um, communicate with them and be respectful. Still set your boundaries, like explain things that you may not wanna do or explain or ask them why. And sometimes it's hard for parents to answer the whys, but it's also hard for us to do things without knowing a reason for it. So, But be respectful still, and also do not talk to them about difficult things if they're angry. Wait till they're calm, because I know that doesn't often go well. So make sure you're talking respectfully, and you're being agreeable and you're listening and obeying even if you don't understand, but still at the same time having communication with, um, why, you know, ultimately you obey them, even if you don't understand, but it's still good to have a reason why.
1: <laughs> Put your hands together for her. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Well, there's a few things to consider today, parents, and I want, I want to say this, and then we're going to have our panelists maybe give their, their one second, I'm uh, sorry, one minute, uh, exits, um, thoughts. There are a lot of kids who, you know, a lot of times we think that young people just, they're just rebellious. They're not doing well, but there are young people who do appreciate what we give them. And something that Deacon James said that is so key, children, Don't measure love by necessarily what we give them in material things. They measure it according to the time that we spend with them. And if you want to know how much they appreciate you, begin to spend time with them. If you want to know how much they've learned in terms of what you've given them, spend time with them. In Jesus' name. Yeah, very important. So as we wrap up here, this question is for all of you. Give them about a minute or or less if you can. Last question, and we're done, and this came from our audience. How does a parent build a strong relationship with their child? I mentioned something just now, but in your own thoughts, what would you like to see a parent do in terms of building a relationship with you? Or how would you you advise a parent to do the same?
2: Um, I'd say... A lot of times parents want to spend time with their kids, or sometimes even they don't realize that their kids want to spend time with them, but even we don't realize it. I think you have to give something for them to want to spend time with you, like find a show that both of you are interested in and you can watch it, or go out to eat somewhere that both of you enjoy. Just give a reason for for us to want to spend time with you or want to do things that both of us can enjoy and benefit from them, and naturally um, a relationship will occur. I'll give a quick example. Um, My mom forced me to watch (laughs) The Amazing Race, and I did not want to watch it at first, but now it's like one of my favorite shows to watch with her. We'll watch The Amazing Race. I think we're on season like 20-something So we're getting close to current times, so yeah. Sometimes you have to just be like, okay, maybe I might like this show. If you don't, find something else, but now we have something to watch together, so.
3: Um, So one, understand that you may not know your kid. Like a lot of you live in houses and you don't understand your child. You don't know who your kid is. You just understand that. Oh yeah, they go to school. Um, like someone said, you ask them, "How do you go to school?" Good. How was school today? Good. What did you, it was good. Everything. And so you have to understand one: know who your child is before you try to even um, spend time with them. Because you can try to watch a show with me, but this, you know, you don't know me, and so you don't know what I want to watch. You don't. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I like, and so. I need you to understand that this is who I am first before you even try to go out of your way. Another way is understanding that um, you and God are not always going to agree to. So don't just say, oh, because God said this in the Bible, then this is how it is. And God says so too. Because God is in heaven looking at you like, I, I don't agree <laughs> with what you're saying. And so you have to understand, one, pray to God understand that okay my child is saying this and so I'm gonna pray to God see how God views the standpoint and then go back to my child so that God can discern what my child says and what my child is um thinking and then yeah spend time with your child but understand you have to know who your child is before you go any further
4: Yeah. yeah um as they both mentioned um my answer is unstructured time together Um, break the routine. How was school? You're going to get the same answer every time. Oh, at the table, you don't use your phone. You just sit down. Let's talk. Come on. Talk about what? You know? So... You have to spend a lot of unstructured time together. It can't just be a routine. It can't be the same thing every day. You can't just be imposing. You got to be curious. You got to be interested in their lives. You got to know why they think the way they think or what are they thinking or, and just understand. It's not every time to just correct and always oh, is No, sometimes they just want attention, not correction, not advice, not just be there, except for who I am. You know, because everybody, everybody's already criticizing them. Sometimes now is the time to criticize. So children want to, or I even children, just people in general just want to be accepted first. Then anything else, you could do whatever you want after that, but accept them first for who they are. That's all.
0: Um, what he said, uh, unstructured things. Um, I have, again, four kids, and... The three boys, you would think that they would want me to sit down with them and watch sports, but no. Um, like you said, again, unstructured. So I have one who would rather me just we just sit and talk about anything, he, any, anything in general. He doesn't care. I thought my daughter growing up would love to do nails and girly stuff, but no. That's not things that she was interested in at all. Um, so you have to, again, learn your children each individually. Learn what they actually like, what they're actually interested in and be willing to um, go out of the norm. Be willing to, if, if your child wants to run out, <laughs> if your child wants to say, mom, watch me run out around the circle in the rain, then you have to be willing to say, okay, Xavier, go around the circle in the rain and I'll film you, because that's what he wants you to do. And if that's the time he, they want to spend with you, then that's the time you spend with them. Oh, I'm sorry. If that's the time they want to spend with you, then that's the time they want to spend with with you. It may be the most weirdest things. Like you said, we're weird people because we're different. But those are things you have to be willing to do if you want to develop that relationship um, with your child, that open, unfiltered, to have the relationship where you can talk about anything with your child. You have to be willing to step out the box and be the parent that's not boxed in. You have to be able to step out and say, okay. I'm out of this box and I don't care what it is. We can talk about it, we can deal with it, we can laugh about it, we can cry about it. And it won't change your love for that child because you love your child, not the thing, it's your child that you're loving.
1: Excellent, excellent, excellent. One minute, one minute. I'm the, I'm the time guy, by the way. One minute, one minute,
5: go. Okay, so I think one of the things we have to do, I do, is try to listen. We have to listen. Sometimes, just listening, you'll get to learn a lot from your kids. And many times, when they are acting out, it's really a call for help, it's a call for attention. So, listen and to, to be able to understand what is going on in their lives. So, listen to that. And then, another thing I use is incentives. So, I am an economist by profession, and I know that incentives work. And so, one of the ways I try to engage them, you know, I mean, you, today I, I saw your test grade. You got A, so here's what you're going to get for A. You create that incentive, it wasn't expected, but you try to incentivize good behavior, uh, good performance. We can go hang out in places. One of my kids likes to be on the beach, beach. We went to Sierra Leone last year, we went to one of the beaches, and every, every day she, you know, they want to go back to Sierra Leone to go to that beach. So, so okay, I mean, let's see what, what's going to happen. If, if you do this one, maybe that's something that we can talk about, about. Incentives matter. Incentives work. And that's what I try to do with my kids. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent.
6: God created the family. Father, mother, that are parents. Mother got her strengths. Father got his strengths. If the child wants to run about and play in the yard and sports, and mommy loves to play sports, Run with mommy if you want to be in intellectual things, etc., yet you understand the child. Run with dad. My son reminded me the other day, uh, because I'm a modern day Abraham, all with a kid, and uh, he said, You know, dad, you want to know something? I said, What he said, you know, we don't uh, uh stay up late on Friday nights anymore. I said, Okay, we'll start it, but the interesting thing is, you have to go and play sports on Saturday. But go on the turf of the child for me. If you're at home, I go to your turf. And from on your turf, we can do things. I am not going to be, sit down every time, sit down, let us stop No, if you're playing games, I can watch. Because I don't know, when you're playing games, I wonder, because if I start playing with you, I might have arthritis in my fingers. <laughs> so I just watch them, the intellectual part, I can handle that. The sports spy and all out and out and everything and all the energy, she can handle those and we can build that relationship. Excellent,
1: put your hands together for this panel. It's been, it's been eye-opening, very, yeah, come on, clap for them. Very eye-opening. And our prayer here to harvest is that you will indeed raise godly seeds for the mission that the Lord has called us to complete. The fight continues. What you do, what you heard today is what matters most. God bless you. Thank you.